Welcome those who are joining us online today. And um, we are still in Romans 6. Uh, we've been going through the book of Romans for, I don't know, three or four months now. And, uh, and as we said at the beginning, there's going to be certain places that we're just going to camp out a little bit. Romans 6 has been one of those places. And it's a very important book or chapter in the book of Romans, okay? The focus has now turned to our sanctification. Previously, in Romans, the focus was on our justification. And perhaps I kind of feel like one of the key verses here, or maybe the key two verses in this chapter, and maybe even in the book of Romans, is Romans 6, verse 6 and 7. Let's kind of read this. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. So we've been talking about this particular, um, uh, these verses. We've been building on it as the rest of chapter 6 does. One of the things that we also talked about the last two weeks is that once we know this, because it starts off saying knowing this, and we get it into our hearts and our minds, then there's a place that we need to start presenting the members of our body as instruments of righteousness. And last week we talked about we're either slaves to sin or we're slaves to obedience. And one of the deceptions of this age is that, well, you can kind of be in the middle, you know, not really enslaved to sin, but you're not really good, devoted to God either. It doesn't work that way. Romans 6 is clear. We are slaves to sin or we're slaves to obedience. Okay, so let's read the last couple of verses of Romans 6, and we're just going to be kind of summing up really the whole book today. Verse 20, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you then deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. And then verse 23, a verse that a lot of us know, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Father, we just want to pause right now. We ask, Lord, that any confusion, any fogginess that we have of this chapter 6 and the message here in Romans, that you would clarify for us today. Open our minds, Lord. Speak to our hearts. We commit this into your hands. Amen. Okay, so let's kind of step back for a moment and look at the bigger picture. First of all, as we were explained very clearly in the first part of Romans, we have been given the gift of justification. We were born again, regenerated, became a new creature, a lot of ways of saying that. We were declared righteous by the blood of Jesus. Our sins were forgiven. We had eternal life. 
And then, or now, we're called to live out the Christian life. And that is where many Christians often get stuck. They, you know, yes, I gave my life to the Lord, but wow, this is, this is hard. I, it doesn't seem like I can kind of live out the Christian life. And there can be frustration. Actually, this morning, many of the songs I noticed were about God breaking the chains. He does that. Many of those chains are broken when we give ourselves to him in obedience. And we say, Jesus Christ, I want to follow you as my king and, and, and Lord. But we also know, all of us, that there's some things that just kind of keep hanging around. In fact, they can be very much crippling sins, as we talked about last week or maybe it was a week before. And, uh, and we get stuck. And I think it's especially true when it comes to the teachings of Jesus. Uh, his teachings should be the heart of our discipleship. But they can also be some of the hardest uh, parts of the scriptures because Jesus, his teachings, he goes straight to the heart. You know, other parts of the scriptures, we can kind of zero in on the scriptures and almost make them rules and regulations. But Jesus speaks straight to the heart, doesn't he? Like the Sermon on the Mount that he gave at the very beginning of his ministry. You know, uh, I mean, he starts off with the Beatitudes. I mean, like, it just kind of amazing the things he said. And then he kind of talks about, well, he, he talks about heart issues, not the external things. In fact, he says, you've heard that it said you should not commit adultery. But I tell you what, that anyone who lusts for a woman has committed adultery already in his heart. Or, you know, you've heard it said that you shall not murder. And then he says, but you're, if you're angry with your brother, you know, you're, you're just as guilty. And uh, because we are creatures of we, we like to be legalistic. Well, I haven't committed adultery or I haven't really committed murder, even though I hate this person. You know, I haven't really committed. And we're always trying to see how we can kind of bump up to the line. And Jesus says, listen, it's the heart. It's the heart. That's what I'm after. And throughout his ministry, he's talking about things like denying self, taking up your cross daily. And these are things that we talk a lot about, you know, or how about love one another? And then he kind of says, in, fa in fact, there in John 13, he says, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another, agape love, as much as I've loved you. Well, how much did Jesus love us? So much he gave his life for us, right? And yet, that's the standard. It's almost like Jesus took the standards and he put them way up here. And, uh, and then, not only love one another, but then he kind of talks about loving your enemies and blessing your enemies and praying for your enemies and doing good for your enemies. Those are all passages that he talks about. He talks about things like turning your cheek. And I, I know we always kind of say, yeah, but you have to kind of realize that sometimes you can't turn your che cheek because of this and this and this and this. I, I know there's probably places where there's self-defense or something like that. But have you noticed we're always trying to wiggle out of what Jesus said? You know, how about this one? You are blessed if you are persecuted. You are blessed when men 
throw insults at you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. Has anyone here, and I know the answer already, has anyone ever lied about you? We, yes, of course. It's part of being in this sinful, corrupt world. And what's typically our reaction? How dare they? They are a liar. I, you, know, you know, but you know what? Jesus says you're blessed and consider it an honor to be insulted, especially if it's for my sake. Jesus talked about things like servanthood, serving. He said, you know, you've heard that the great men exercise authority and lord it over others. But I tell you what, that the greatest is what? The servant of all, you know, the slave of all, actually, literally. He talks about following him, not turning back. Jesus has a focus on the heart, not externals. And his standards are really high. And our response as we become followers of Jesus is that this is impossible. I can't. Actually, Jesus is kind of interesting there. I think it was in, it's in the sermon. Now, I think it's Matthew 5. He says, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will not experience the kingdom of God. You think, wow, just count me out. And I think that's the way a lot of people who they, they embrace eternal life. They, they sense God's love for them. They say, yes, I want to follow you. And then they start getting stuck when it comes to following Jesus. And, uh, and we could talk more about this. You know, actually, some of the hardest things that Jesus talked about, he waited into right before he went back to the Father. You know, like the night of the Lord's Supper, he started talking about loving that new commandment, loving one another. He raised the standards of obedience. He talked about abiding in me and me and you. One of the purposes of the resurrection of Jesus was to give us new life and to impart a power to us, a resurrection power. We'll talk more about this in Romans 8. Without walking in the resurrection power of Jesus, the Christian life is not just hard, it is impossible. You can't do it. But with this resurrection power, yes, it not only is it possible, but that's the life we've been called to, where he lives through us. May we get this. Actually, we've got to get this. Philippians 3, verse 10. I think it's up here. That's faster than I am here today. But Philippians 3, 10. Paul is praying. He says, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. We'll talk about that a little bit like conform to his death. We'll touch on that a little bit in Romans 8. But uh, we've got to know his resurrection power. Romans 6 is saying basically the same thing. We cannot do it apart from what Jesus did at the cross and how he imparts something to us, a special power. Uh, 
He's just kind of hitting it from a different angle. Several years ago, we showed an illustration. There it is. You probably remember it. A lot of new people, so you may not remember this. But um, this is, we were talking about biblical discipleship. And, um, and maybe I should say a rocket is really made of two parts. There's the capsule, which if it's, if it's a person going into space or a team, that's where they are. That's, where the, that's really where the goods are. And then the second part is the booster because the capsule by itself can't get anywhere, even though that might be the most important thing. It takes the booster. Same thing even if it's in terms of war. The, uh, the nuclear warhead is on the front end where the power is, but it cannot go anywhere unless it has that booster. Well, the capsule or the core is really the way we used it in this particular teaching. It's the core teachings of Jesus. And I've kind of, you know, mentioned some of the stuff, denying self, losing life, obedience, faithfulness, servanthood, all those things that are kind of beyond us and impossible for us, right? It's, but yet it's so clear that's the life we're supposed to live. But God has given us a booster the resurrected life of Christ, empowering me in the inner man. That allows, that's what takes me to the place of living. Does that make sense? Because it's so important we kind of get this. We're living in a day where there's a lot of people falling away from the Lord. And a lot of times it's a result of, I just can't do it. I've had many people tell me that. Mike, I've tried and tried and tried. But you know what? You can keep trying and trying and trying. You're still going to be frustrated. Because the Christian life is not meant to be lived that way. It's meant to be lived in the resurrected power of Christ that he imparts to us. Okay? We are called, yes, to live out the teachings of Jesus. Radical. In a good way of radical. And, uh, and by the way, Jesus said many times, and the world will know me, what? By their agape love toward one another. And other times he says, he says, they'll know me through your unity and your oneness with one another. In other words, you're, you're putting down your grievances and things like that, and you're really walking in the spirit together. So, Walking in the teachings of Jesus is critical in the days when God wants to pour out his spirit and bring harvest. The church has to understand this. And that's why Romans 6 is so important because it teaches us how we can truly live out the power of the new life. Okay, let's go to, let's go to uh, verse 20 here. It says, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. When you were slaves of sin, we could, let's just kind of review. One thing, when we were slaves of sin, living righteousness was really not an option, was it? It was impossible for us. And by the way, I'm talking about both as a Christian and sometimes even as a Christian when we come to know the Lord and we're not being really taught biblical foundations, 
it's easy to kind of, I can't do this. But you know, even non-believers, God has put something in their hearts, some sense of right and wrong. And even there, even though those standards are a lot lower than what Jesus lays out, they still fail. I know I need to be a good person, but I just can't. I, need to, I know I need to be kind of honest, but I, I just can't help it, you know? I know I need to, you know, have my thoughts kind of thinking in the right way, but I just can't do it. And that's why a lot of people don't come to know the Lord. They feel like, I'm not good enough. And you know what? They're not good enough. <laughs> that's the point. Just like, I wasn't good enough, and you weren't good enough. So when we were slaves to sin, we were stuck. We were living in frustration. We were living in confusion. We were living in discouragement because we can't live up to the standards that we know are right. As a Christian, they're higher. Even as a non-Christian, we can't do it. And the result, it says in verse 21, the fruit is death, spiritual death. That kind of sums up what we've been talking about really for the last couple of chapters. But then verse 22, it says, but now. Okay, we know how it was, but now things are different. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit or the fruit, resulting in sanctification. And the outcome, eternal life. It results in sanctification. We've been talking about this for the last three or four weeks. Let's just kind of review again, because I want to make sure we all get this. Sanctification, and I'm sort of making this kind of simple, starts at the place that we've been declared righteous by the blood of Jesus. We've given our life to him. Sanctification starts there and goes until we see Jesus face to face, either at death or he comes back. It's a process. Justification is something that happens at a point in time. I give my life to him. I see the gospel. I respond. I say, yes, I want to follow. But sanctification is a process. And it's the process of what? Being made holy. Remember we said in 1 Peter 1, you know, how we are called to be holy as he is holy. You think, well, that's impossible. Yeah, yeah, it is. But that's the calling. That's the process of sanctification. And you're right. The process of sanctification never gets complete here on this earth. But on the other hand, we're not supposed to stay exactly where we were either. We should be coming more and more like Jesus being conformed to his image. In fact, when we get to Romans 8, actually, let's just kind of take there. Romans 8, verse 29. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to what? Become conformed to the image of his son. That's our destiny, is to be like Jesus. And that is how the world is attracted to the message of the gospel. It's when we become more and more like him. It's a process. So these are just, I'm just kind of summarizing some of the things we've talked about because it says resulting in sanctification. Okay. Okay, our cooperation is needed in this process of sanctification. 
we can impede the process. We can speed it up. We can re resist it. I think we can probably even kind of maybe uh, reverse it. Sanctification involves decisions on our part. Actually, it's the decisions we make every day. And as we've been talking the last couple of weeks, presenting ourselves to him on a continual basis, making decisions of obedience. This process of sanctification is going to be different for every one of us. You know, in other words, the process for me, Mike, is going to be different from Eddie or Jorge or Bobby or Benjamin. You know, it's different. For me, God might be saying, we really need to work on your tongue, Mike. It speaks too freely. And my tendency is I want everyone else to learn that lesson too. But maybe God's not focusing there on that with somebody else. Maybe it's the thought life or maybe it's an anger issue or a lack of self-control or dealing with self-pity or it could be anything. So it's all different for every one of us. So we've got to be careful and be on the guard against uh, comparing ourselves or passing judgment because that's an individual work that the Holy Spirit's doing in each of us. This is an important one we've talked about. God uses difficulties. Yep. Things we don't understand. We all have things that we don't understand. God, I don't understand this. Sometimes he explains. Sometimes he explains later. Sometimes he doesn't at all. So God uses difficulties, things we don't understand, disappointments, the perplexing issues of life to bring about his, the process, his process of sanctification in your life. We could look at the reverse. God, or, or life, not God, life presents many opportunities to get bitter, to close our heart, to be resentful, to get angry, to lose heart, right? The goal is not to avoid all those things, but learn to respond to them in a godly way, okay? When these opportunities are met with godly responses, sanctification occurs. When we don't respond in a godly way, our heart hardens. And then God may decide, because he loves us so much, well, maybe I need to get his attention or her attention another way. And that's when, you know, those harder things come across our life. None of us like that. But you know what? Hebrews 12 talks about the discipline of the Lord, right? Those whom he loves, he disciplines. Okay. Understanding these things that we've been talking about is essential for walking out the Christian life. I know we're all saved or, you know, or coming out of place, regenerated, but that's when the walk begins, the walk of sanctification. And again, that's where many people are getting frustrated and dropping out.
if we don't understand this or if we resist it, I mean, I've had people tell me before, Mike, I don't like it when you talk about difficulties. Well, I'm sorry, but you know what? That's God's word. You know, God never promises to take us through a life where there are no gift difficulties. There's, there's no uh, uh, persecution. You know, our brother and sister uh, from Iowa, uh, AJ and Marina, uh, they were spent 14 years in the Middle East in a closed country uh, working with the underground church. I think they said you started, what, 10 churches? You know, in, four, in 14, okay, in about 10 years, you know, I can guarantee you there was persecution there. And the gospel, oh yeah, come to Jesus and everything kind of is great. No, it doesn't always happen that way. But the good thing is that he gives grace to us and he walks with us. Okay, uh, yeah, let, let's go back to Romans 5. I know we've, we're sort of summing up things here. Romans 5, verse 3. <clears throat> Remember this, is, I know it's about six or seven weeks ago, maybe more. And not only this, but we also exalt. Actually, that kind of means literally leap for joy. In our tribulations. N not that we are happy to have a tribulation, but because we know that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance proven character and proven character hope and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has given us we especially American Christians and probably Latinos too and probably Asians and everyone in the world because we have the sinful nature there's something about us we like things done quickly and short so we read this, oh, I like the idea of the love of God being poured out in my heart and pouring and going through me. But the first part of the sentence involves tribulations, perseverance, proving character, those types of things, right? We can't just jump and get the love of God flowing out. So that's part of the process. This really describes sanctification. Romans 6 is important because it tells us the basis of our sanctification. And that is Romans 6, 6, that we are dead to sin, but alive to God. It talks about our union with him, that I've been crucified with Christ. And therefore, my life of sin, the power has been broken. That's the, that's the biblical, theological, scriptural basis of sanctification. If we can't skip over knowing that, that's why it says, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Christ. We, we can't skip that. That's the basis. When we understand and believe and embrace this truth in Romans 6, then we can truly present ourselves to God. Otherwise, we can present and present and present. And it's not going to do any good. But if it's based upon what Jesus did at the cross, yes. 
And all of a sudden, sanctification becomes alive. Let me say it another way. We cannot sanctify ourselves. It doesn't work. There isn't grace for that. And then one other thing about sanctification. Again, this is by way of review. Presenting ourselves to God. And presenting ourselves to live a life of obedience. If done in a biblical way, becomes a joy and leads to true freedom. You got that? Sanctification is not something like, oh, no, I'm just, I'm obligated to try to do what's right and try to clean up my life and try to love people and try. No, it doesn't work that way. That is rules, legalism, external things. But when you open your heart and we base our sanctification, what Jesus did at the cross, it truly obedience Living for him is a joy. It's not just something that, well, I guess I got to do this. And again, we're, we're, we're creatures of, you know, when there's a rule, what do we do? How close can I get to it without breaking it? Or let's say, like a speed limit. You know, if it's going 65, it goes to 75. You go, go up right to the bumper. Or really what we really do is we've kind of heard that, um, there's a grace period of a grace thing of 10 miles per hour. So what do we do? It's 75, go up to 84, 85, you know, I mean, that, that's just, that's our human nature, isn't it? And we try to do that same way in the kingdom of God. How close can I, you know, what can I technically do to kind of obey the rule if we kind of are rule based and not cross it? Sanctification is not like that. Sanctification is joy. It's true freedom. And it's based on what Jesus did at the cross. Um, this is especially when we do it according to God's way, it, sanctification occurs in the context of grace and truth. John. We, we know this verse, John 1, 7, 1, 17, I'm sorry. For the law was given through Moses. That's kind of rules and things we got to do. Grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. But there's grace. So sanctification, I want you to hear this today, results in joy and true freedom. Okay, one other thing I want to touch on before we move on to chapter 7 and 8. There's a phrase called in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> a very important phrase that's repeated over and over and we're going to start seeing it repeated a lot more in the chapters ahead. Uh, and uh, this describes our walk and what Jesus has done. But, uh, verse 23, chapter 6, it says... Um, um, okay, long chapter there. It says, uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We need to be in him. And that refers to a position in him. When we are in Christ, in him, that's where there's grace, 
That's where there's abundance. That's where there's truth. That's where there's freedom. That's where there's victory. That's where there's joy. That's where there's peace. All those things that so many times escape our Christian life. We need to learn to be in Christ. It refers to that union that we've been talking about here in Romans 6. Okay? We were placed at the cross. We were placed in Christ Jesus. So when we receive him at the point of justification, when we get that gift of justification, it becomes ours. Now, we still need to uh, have faith to bring it to everyday reality. But there's so many examples in the scriptures. And we're going to see this especially next um, few weeks in Romans. For example, in Ephesians 1, notice verse 3. Last part of it, it says, we don't have slides up here. I'm just going to, it talks about how we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. You know, uh, verse uh, 6, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. Verse 7, in him we have redemption. We could go through Ephesians and not every verse, but probably every other verse talks about how in him we have been given everything we need to live out the Christian life. Colossians chapter 1, verse 14. Just give you a couple examples. In whom, okay, talking about Jesus, we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. Colossians 2, verse 9. Maybe through 11. For in him, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And in him, you have been made complete. I like that. In him, we've been made uh, complete. And we could kind of keep going down. Uh, let, let's go to one more. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. It says, but by his doing, you are what? In Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Actually, we've been talking about righteousness or just justification and sanctification. It's in him that opens the doors to all this. John 15. Some of us, when we kind of went away for some of the young adults, we spent a whole week talking about abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ means we maintain a position of being in him. Okay, I think this is probably a good place to pause. Um, next week, we're going to move on to chapter 7. And then we're going to go to Romans 8. And we're going to probably camp out there for quite a bit of time. Because there's another aspect of our Christian life that we haven't talked much about, but it's the work of the Spirit of God inside of us. Okay? Very important. And so, but it doesn't make sense unless we have the good foundation of Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. Okay? Okay, so we're going to do that 
next week. So let's, let's, let's close in prayer. Father, we were singing this morning about you breaking the chains. And certainly, Lord, praising you is a, an important part of that. Prayer is an important part of that. And also, Lord, just seeing how you have set us free by what you did at the cross. Lord, give us good understanding of these things, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.